From tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. The Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel Kim Cunningham, meteorologist and social media manager at Agora Pulse Jen Watson, star of Tornado Hunters Greg Johnson, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn Storm Spotter and Chaser Bill Johnson. Hey, welcome everybody to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. This is the award-winning Stormfront Freaks podcast. Uh, you got to check out stormfrontfreaks.com so you can listen to any of our past episodes. We've had, we've had some great guests on the show, uh, including TV meteorologists, storm chasers, uh, media and game creators, for crying out loud, scientists. We, uh, we've had it all, but uh, tonight this is episode 108. And we are with University of Nebraska-Lincoln uh, atmospheric science professor and member of the Taurus Storm and Drone Project. That's a mouthful, but Adam Houston is with us tonight. So uh, we're looking, right. forward, looking forward to talking with Adam. Uh, and also, as always, we get to play our lightning round uh, with him, so that should be a good time. we got Brady's new segment, which we, we don't even have a name for that. We're going to have to come up with something uh, before too long. Brady's and, segment. And... That's true. We should just call it that. That is a great name. <laughs> Sold. Uh, Brady segment it is. And we have a visit from Weather Trollbot 5000. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know in advance. It could be a strong PG-13 rating on, oh. on this episode. Uh, but if you are listening, we usually edit that out anyways. But before we get to all of that, it's we always got to find out uh, which, which of our co-hosts were able to join us tonight. And we do that because it's always happy hour, so we find out what uh, what everyone's drinking tonight. So uh, it's typical, and I'll start with MJ. All right. Well, uh, this evening had a few technical difficulties getting going, so I needed to unleash the Kraken, uh, which is a uh, dark a dark uh, rum with a little bit of a kick. So is that a clear glass? <laughs> yes. Yes. Clear glass. Yes. That is dark. Just black. Oh, Maz, what, what are you drinking tonight? Hey, in honor of summer, it's the summer shandy. I love that. Uh, yeah, good. Some upstairs. I like I, there you go. I personally went with a little uh, Captain Morgan uh, nice. coconut rum oh, that's with good. some fast start orange Mountain Dew. Uh, wow. So that, that's pretty good. But I was going to go with the summer shandy. That's plan B. And I might still, who knows, before the night's over, I might still get that. Um, uh, and then Brady. So Brady, we, we still have on every once in a while. We, we were giving him some crap uh, before the show started because he's back in Florida. You know, we're doing this this quarantine thing. I got cabin fever. I got the yeah, so we're we're doing this quarantine thing, and and Brady's back down in Florida again. So so he came back up to Ohio, went back down to Florida, uh, and he still didn't bring his microphone. So we'll we'll hear how good Brady sounds tonight. But Brady, what are you drinking in Florida this evening? Hey, so I I, I came down to Florida just to I want to defend myself here because I know everyone's like Florida spiking. I came down here to set a good example for everyone to wear a mask. And you're so not wearing why- one. Well, I'm oh, not or it sounds that, like you are, but you're look, not. I'm socially distanced, right? So, so tonight I'm drinking a, a White Claw, white keeping claw. it real here in uh, Florida. And uh, there's a nice storm in the background, too. It doesn't get any better than this. You there just you came from the beach, didn't you? Uh, I might have. I might have gotten poured hard, on at the you? beach, riding home in the middle of a storm. Uh, work, working, working hard at the, uh, with the White Claw. All right, so uh, so let let's uh, we're gonna go ahead and do this. We we've got uh, we got a great guest this evening, and I actually know he's drinking with us tonight too. So this should be fun. But Maz, uh, give our guest an introduction. All right, thank you. Hey, we are honored to have Dr. Adam Houston, who joined the University of Nebraska Lincoln. Go Huskers! UNL faculty in 2006 and is currently a professor in the Earth and Atmospheric Sciences Department and principal investigator of the Taurus Project. Uh, More than 50 scientists and students from four universities participate in the Taurus, which is targeted observation by radars and UAS of supercells study. That's got to be one heck of a business card. But anyway, deploying a broad suite of cutting-edge cutting-edge instrumentation and drones into the U.S. Great Plains during the 2019 and 2020 storm seasons. Dr. Houston received his Ph.D. from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and his B.S. from Texas A&M University, 
Welcome, Adam. Glad you're here for tonight. And uh, how is this? Who's brainchild? Was this yours? And and to use drones and all. How'd you get Taurus going? Well, it's, so it started off actually in 2009 when we participated in Vortex 2. And it was a, it was a small component of Vortex 2. So Vortex 2, a verification of origin of rotation and tornadoes experiment, um, 2009, 2010. And so we had flown unmanned aircraft in, in storms, sort of. Uh, they weren't very strong storms, but just to, to prove the concept. And what we wanted to do is kind of take it to the next level and show that we could actually fly in supercells. And so I keep saying we was Brian Argro at the University of Colorado. Uh, he's my, my primary partner in crime. Um, and it involved in Taurus as well. Um, and so we did it. We actually showed that we could do it, um, which was a big deal. And in fact, one of the biggest accomplishments wasn't even just flying. It was actually getting permission to do it. Um, I mean, we, I could wax philosophical about how, how the working with the FAA requires a balance of patience and tenacity. But um, we were able to get the permission to do it, which was huge. Uh, we also got some data that we could do some science with, which is, of course, what we what I aim to do all along. So that was back in 2010 and 2009, 2010. And shortly thereafter, we started thinking about the next step. I mean, that was, you know, 20 to uh, 10 years ago. So uh, we started thinking about what the next step would be. Um, we put in a proposal a few years later, didn't get funded. We put in an, another proposal. Uh, a few years later, it didn't get funded. Um, did I mention we're tenacious? Um, so, so you know, I mean, I guess that's a, an important point is that this was not something that we just kind of dreamed up one day, and uh, and they threw you know two and a half million dollars at us to go to go play in the in storm chase. It was something that we had to work really hard to get, um, and you know, rightfully so because it it is it is an expensive project and. Uh, what we're trying to do hasn't, in some ways, hasn't been done before. And it's not just the drone bit. I mean, we're flying, of course, the drone, but we also have the P3 Hurricane Hunter that's involved. Um, we have mobile radars and mobile mesonets, um, LIDARs. I mean, it's 60 people and, and 20 vehicles. So it's a, it's a big deal. And to try to you know bring all this together and actually collect data that you can use um, is is non-trivial. And, and so, so, yeah, I mean, so it took us a while to get it, but... Um, and, and now the project involves not just Brian Argro, but Chris Weiss at Texas Tech and Conrad Ziegler, National Severe Storms Laboratory, Eric Rasmussen, the National Severe Storms Laboratory, Laboratory, Mike Coniglio. These are the principal investigators, Eric Frug, University of Colorado. Um, so, so that's kind of the, the, the core group of, of investigators. And then all the other scientists that, uh, and students that are involved in the data collection, but also doing some of the analysis. What, um, Adam, what do you think pushed you over the edge since you tried and tried and tried and tried? What, what did you do different to finally get it funded or was it just the lucky 13th try? No, you know, it, it's a, it's a really good question. And, um, the, the, the bottom line is we, we scaled it back. I mean, it, it's, it's a huge project. I mean, well, okay. So it's, it's not as big as Vortex 2 and it's not as big as uh, other projects that have been conducted Relampago, which was kind of a severe storms project down in Argentina. And I mean, it's nowhere near that size, um, but it's still pretty big, but we, we scaled it back. Uh, it was originally quite a bit bigger, uh, more radars, more scientists. Um, so the, the, the challenge with any funding agency, I guess, particularly National Science Foundation, is that you have to find that sweet spot where the amount of investment that they're making is going to get the biggest bang. And, and that, you know, for the first couple of iterations in the proposal, they just felt that the bang, there was a bang, at least potentially, right? But um, the, the buck was a bit too high. So you mentioned it's expensive. What's the most expensive part about it? People. Um, the paying the grad students to to do the research. They won't um, work for beer. I tried, um, <laughs> beer. Yeah. Beer. Um, universal. It, <laughs> uh, well, you know, you'd think I'd say, I'm just taking you storm chasing and that would be enough for some of these yeah. guys. It probably would be, um, yeah, no, pizza, pizza and beer just don't do it anymore. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because for the longest time, the stipend that we give them was never on the, an issue. Like they, they, they just, they know they're not going to make a ton of money. They're they're making a little bit of money just to, to you know subsist, and that they're because they're going to be doing research, right? And they're going to be advancing their career. 
But over the last few years, I get that question from prospective students. So how much am I going to make? You're not going to make crap. I mean, it's, <laughs> you're a grad student. I mean, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Look, I mean, I appreciate you don't want to go into debt. I do appreciate that. I mean, student loan debt can be a, you know, uh, something on your shoulders that you don't want. But nevertheless, um, yeah, so it, it's it's salary. Um, and it's not the PI salary. We don't get much money out of this at all. But it's the students. Um, and, you know, it's not cheap to go out on the field either. Um, you know, to I, I just University of Nebraska takes 15 people out. Um, mm. And that's that's we're we're not the biggest team. Colorado is the biggest team. And so, yeah, 60 people for, you know, four to six weeks in the field. That's hotel rooms and gas. And and then then after that, of course, the salary to to pay the the kids, the students to to, to do the research. Motel six, man. I'm telling you, to motel six. It's cheaper. So Adam, well, with, with everything, with everything, with everything going on, what has this season been like? Uh, uh, nothing. Been yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We didn't do anything. We we had it. The, the plan was to do a 2019-2020 field campaign. Uh, we went out in 2019, and it was a great year for us. Um, and we were planning to go out this year, but it just didn't happen. So we're going to postpone. We're supposed to go out in 20 uh, next year, 2021. So what, what's the ultimate goal of the Taurus project project? What, what are you gathering data for? Um, you know, what, what's that ultimate goal? Right. Um, so, I mean, ultimately what we want to do is reveal the small scale structures, but persistent structures within storms, supercell thunderstorms that might lead to tornado genesis. And so there's been a number, bunch of, uh, of work over the last few years, and some of it's through modeling, numerical modeling. So they take these complex uh, numerical models and on small scale. So these aren't the ones that they run across the entire United States to predict the state of the atmosphere for forecasting. Um, these are very small scale, uh, like in one, one supercell kind of scale, where they can run at really high resolution and see some things that well, may or may not be there. And so these simulations have shown some really interesting structures that have at least an associated relationship with tornado genesis. But you have to be able to test those hypotheses that are formed through these, these modeling studies in the field. So that's one of the things that we want to do. Um, and to do that, so, I mean, we've used mobile radars since the mid-90s. So that's not really new. Some of the radars that we're using are being used in a slightly different way so that we can see some of these small-scale structures. But one of the, the cool things that, that we're doing with Taurus is using unmanned aircraft. And what's cool about it is not just that it's a novel kind of thing, but it's that it can probe parts of the storm that couldn't be probed in, in, in prior field campaigns. So in 2010, you know, we went out for Vortex 2, and that kind of showed what we could do with, with the unmanned aircraft. But now we're being even more ambitious with how we use them and flying into parts of the storm you certainly can't get manned aircraft in. And, and frankly, that you can't get in situ, like direct observations from any other platform. And it's in these areas of the storm that we think some of these features exist. So... If we can, if we can kind of understand these features and relate them back to tornado genesis, then hopefully we can then relate those that understanding to an improvement in the conceptual model of supercells, particularly those that produce tornadoes. How did you convince the Air Force to let you guys use the Predator drone? <laughs> yeah, um, I don't. Okay, first of all, we are not using the Predator drone. Uh, let me something smaller. Knock yes. that one out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would freak out a lot of people. Yeah. Well, um, so, well, so it, it, you know, the, the platform we use is, is called the Raven. Um, it's, it's, um, it's a commercial off the shelf platform. Uh, right wing is the one who, who builds the aircraft, but they just build the platform. Um, I mean, you can go buy the platform, put an engine in it and fly around. Anyone can, and it's not all that expensive. The beauty of it is, is that it has a really big fuselage the, the opening in it is big enough that you can put the, a bunch of batteries, which is important because we need to fly more than just 30 minutes. You know, we need to fly hours. Um, you can put the, all the computing um, that you need to maintain the communication between the ground station and the aircraft. Um, you need to make sure the data that are coming in from the sensors that are mounted on the aircraft is being synced and is reliable. And, and so it, it, the, the platform is just one thing, but it's all the stuff inside. In fact, the stuff inside of it is, is probably three times more expensive than the stuff than the platform itself. But the beauty of this platform is that it's rugged, very rugged. And so um, you can take a rough landing and, you know, you pull it out of the ground and <laughs> throw some more batteries in it and, and relaunch it. You know, it's, it's a really good design. 
Uh, we've tried other aircraft in the past and they've been good, but not like this. This one's been, this is, this is our workhorse now. So I'm not familiar with the Raven. How, how, what is that? How big is that? Um, it's a 91 inch wingspan. So it's, it's yeah. It's, so it's, it's actually pretty big. Um, and, the, and the, so these are fixed wing also. I mean, maybe that's, uh, I, I probably should say that. I mean, these aren't the little rotary wing drones that, that, well, I mean, you know, my son has one and we go fly and mm -hmm. I, cr I crash it for him all the time. Um, and it's not a rotary wing, it's a fixed wing. And the reason that we fly fixed wing is because instead of 30, 45 minutes, you can get three hours of, of flight time. And that's what you really need. Uh, we've flown aircraft that had, you know, a little over an hour flight time. And it is, it's dangerous because, you know, once you get in the storm and you start sampling, you need to immediately start thinking about how the heck are we going to get out and, and land safely. Um, so, but with the, the, you know, two and a half, three hour flight time, um, you can, you can sample the storm for a long time and still be able to get out and, and land it safely. So it's, it's obviously Adam, um, in a storm, windy, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I'm, Thank I'm you, curious obvious. As, <laughs> as, as rugged, as rugged as it is, how, I mean, how close are you getting it in there? What, um, so I, I want to ask that first, and then the second uh, tail onto that is is how, you know how did you find the people or the person to to fly it? Um, so the, yeah, the, the it's rugged and it can withstand just about anything we put in put it in, into. You know, with the exception of a tornado, but that's not our intent. Um, I mean, at that point, it just becomes debris. But anything would. Um, no, the the winds actually are less of an issue than things like the hail. Um, so. Uh, I mean, we've encountered horizontal winds that are that are upwards of 70 knots and mm -hmm. the aircraft doesn't do well in it. I mean, it doesn't crash. It doesn't, you know, but it, it, it its top flight speed is about 100, mm, that, no, 80 to 100 knots. So, wow. you know, if you have a 70 knot wind, you're not going to be moving very quickly into that wind. Um, so obviously try to avoid those parts of the storm. Um, no, it's actually the hail that we're more concerned about because the, the prop is exposed as, as most propeller airplanes are, you know, and, um, if, it, if uh, the prop catches a stone it, and we lose the prop, the aircraft is done. Um, you know, it could, it could hit the wing. I mean, it's particularly large stones it could hit the wing and damage the wing or damage the fuselage, something like that, of course. Um, but yeah, it's the hail that we're, we were, we are more concerned with that said, um, in 2019, we encountered hail and, and not small hail. Um, it was in one inch hail for about five to 10 minutes and wow. not just the, you know, the random stone here and there, it was being beat to heck with one inch stones and it did, it did fine. Um, wow. so of course, once that happened to me, I'm thinking, all right, now, now we can fly into some of the parts of the storm that I think are really important where you're actually running the risk of getting into the, you know, the gorilla hail. Um, but um, yeah, so it's proven itself, you know, and, and, and actually the, the, the most, the most threatening thing, the data collection is the rain because we have a, the, the, the way the velocity is measured, there's this pitot tube that sticks out the front. You've probably seen them on manned aircraft. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the tip of the pitot tube, there are these five holes and the pressure differential across those holes can be used to can back out the wind velocity, both horizontal and vertical. And so the problem is that those small little holes can get filled with rain. And once they get filled with rain, you lose the, the, the measurement. And so we, we had data dropouts just because we were in rain, which is really disappointing. So what's, you mentioned before, sometimes there are some things there in the storm, sometimes they're not. What, so can you tell us one of the theories that maybe hasn't been proven yet that you're working on? Sure. Um, let me, let me, back up and put it in a larger context and then kind of drill down and use beer terms if you can. Uh, of course, of course. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, in fact, let me take a, oh, a visitor behind me. Um, <laughs> so um, the bigger picture question that we're trying to answer is that these small scale structures may just be there, um, particularly air mass boundaries. And we know that there are these gust fronts that exist in the storms. And I mean, since the, late seventies, even before then, we've known that they're important. We don't know. We didn't know then. And we, we still don't entirely know what role they're playing. The biggest question that we're trying to answer kind of in the, in the, in the big picture was, is 
are these things just moved around by the airflow in the storm or are they actually essential for the development of a tornado? Because just because they're there doesn't mean they're actually playing a causative role. They could just be part of another process that's causing the tornado. And so, you know, are we going to be able to answer that with the Taurus data? Um, not, not in, in totally, but we're going to be able to contribute an answer to that. And one of the things that we can say, and this gets to, to the, the other, to, to your specific question, Phil, that is, what are some of the features that we are seeing? Uh, one of them is called the streamized vorticity channel or current. Um, and so this is this feature that has been modeled that um, goes across the forward flank of the storm. That's kind of the, the northeast side of the storm. Um, and it's, it's literally this tube um, that's maybe several hundred meters across that then feeds into the storm and may, as it does so, as it is tilted up into the storm, drop the pressure enough at cloud base and just below cloud base that it sucks the air in beneath it and, and creates a tornado. Um, it's this very complex nonlinear uh, relationship, but it could be, it could be an essential mechanism for tornado genesis. And uh, even the simulations have shown just an associative relationship. But what we want to do is actually probe this thing, uh, see if it actually exists for one, but also get some measurements that you can't get uh, with just like a radar. So, I mean, a radar can, can do RHIs across the thing and see it in the wind field, but they can't get the temperature field. So you don't know if there's a density gradient across it, if the generation mechanism for this thing is that it's just the gyre on the backside of a density current. You know, that's one hypothesis. Uh, you know, and, and when you have this gust front and actually see some some videos behind Phil of these haboobs, you know, these these things moving across at the backside of these things are these rotors that develop. Um, that it may just be a coherent rotor, rotor that's getting sucked into the storm and then causing the pressure to fall, et cetera. But if it's not associated with a density gradient, then that, that hypothesis doesn't, wouldn't appear to be correct. And so you need to get not only the kinematic observation, not just the wind observations, but the thermodynamic observations as well. Very cool. That is very cool. Wow. So I think, yeah. hey, tell you what, on that note, uh, I think it's time for a refill break. Uh, we're going to be right back with Adam and also play the lightning round. Stay tuned. This is Mark Jelinek from the What Is It About the Weather podcast with a message to get you weather ready. The spring season is here and we want to prepare you for spring weather threats. This includes thunderstorms. Remember, if you hear thunder or see a flash of lightning, seek shelter immediately. Fully enclosed buildings with wiring and plumbing are best. A hardtop metal vehicle with windows closed is also safe. Sheds, picnic shelters, tents, or covered porches do not protect you from lightning. For more information, please visit the NOAA Weather Ready Nation website at weather.gov WRN. Stay safe out there. Hey, so welcome back, everybody. We are here with UNL's Adam Houston. And, and you know, Adam, my, my question to you here is, so you talked about your basically storm chasing with 60 people. Uh, I don't know how many vehicles that is, but you're also carrying around drones and everything else. So I'd imagine, you know, since 2000, uh, 2019 was the first year that you kind of officially started the project and continue. What have been the, cha I mean, what were some of the challenges? I mean, you're talking about chasing with a large group of people, you're flying crap into storms. There, there had to have been some just knockout stories of stuff that really didn't work. I mean, as a storm chaser, you have the days that you bust. My guess is there really are some days that you got to think, man, this was a bust. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, it, the nature of storm chasing is you bust a lot. Um, 2019 was an odd year for, for a lot of reasons. Um, we didn't bust that much. And, and, and I'm saying that, notice I prefaced it with it was an odd year. I mean, it's not that we're really that good it's just that it was a it was a year where there were a lot of storms um and a lot of supercells and and a fair number of tornadoes i mean we'll see what happens in in 2021 assuming we can go out um but uh but sure yeah when I mean, we did bust of course um i mean the biggest challenge i think is simply the logistics of managing that many people um i mean fortunately you know, there isn't one person overseeing the entire group. You know, they're, they're, 
compartmentalized into the different universities and different uh, institutions. But um, for the most part, you know, we, we try to stay at the same hotel, we, which doesn't happen. Um, but we, you know, we try to keep, and then of course in the morning we have to all come together. So you have to make sure it's really just the logistics. I mean, frankly, getting out in the field and chasing, that's kind of the easy part. I mean, I don't want to sound, you know, either cocky or, or, or like, I don't re respect mother nature. I certainly do. Um, there are certainly dangers out there and we encountered them, but I mean, the, in terms of this field campaign, it was the logistical challenges of just corralling all the people and making sure everyone's, you know, on track and that, that was, that was the biggest thing. But the, th but the thing is, I mean, the, it, it's a great group, a fantastic group. Um, the, the PIs that, that are on this are, are great. And we, we, not only are they, uh, extremely capable, but they're good people and we all get along really well, which is also really important. I mean, the bigger in is, you know, the number of people, particularly the number of leaders is the more likely you're going to get those conflict that, you know, and, you know, of course you get that every day. You, we go into the workplace or you go to a podcast, you're going to have conflicts, but, um, you know, when you're out in the field and it's stressful and you're, you know, not seeing your family and you're stuck at the, you know, fill in the blank crappy hotel, you know, it, it becomes even more, more stressful, but it's such a good group. And, and we, 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 we really work well together. And that I think is not, I mean, I'll take, I'll take a little bit of credit for, for bringing this, this group together, you know, I mean, but I can't take credit for the way that they, they are, you know, I mean, the, it's, it's just, they're just a good group. You know, the Come fact that the fact that you missed 2020, you're probably okay. I mean, that yeah. was probably a good year to yeah. go. Damn, COVID prevented I, well, us. Well, yeah. I mean, a couple. <laughs> I know Mike and Chris were following it, kind of playing the virtual tourists. I didn't because I was. My worry is that 2020 would have been an, uh, an epic year, and then we would have, and I would have just, it would have done nothing for my mental health to see that. So I kept my head in the sand. But I mean, you can only keep your head in the sand so much. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a weather weenie like everyone else, and um, you know, at least is listening and. Yeah, of course I followed stuff. And yeah, we had an email correspondence, the the PIs and, you know, Brian Argo actually sent out the email said, all right, so tell me guys, was this a good year to miss? And basically, yeah, it was. So your wife is also uh, in the weather field. Did she go with you as well? No, she's actually more climate than weather. Okay. Uh, she actually, she's uh, at the National Drought Mitigation Center. Um, I mean, she... She has gone out with me in the past. Um, she, when we had a, a field campaign, um, oh, it was Vortex. Yeah, it was Vortex. Um, she came out for for a little bit, um, but you know, it, I mean, it's she has, she has a full time job, and we have a child, and <laughs> and a house, and and cats, and you know, so. <laughs> yeah, wait, you have more than one. Yeah, cat, have. not wife. I didn't mean it like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had an off-color joke that came into my head. I will not. I will not say. Yeah, we have. We have. Uh, we now have three cats. Congratulations! Uh, thank you very you much. Better, better um, you than me. That's epic. Mm. That's, that's awesome. epic. <laughs> Guys, cats are cats are great. Cats are fantastic. We had two cats, and I was perfectly content with two cats. And then the wife and the kid outvoted me, and we got a third. <laughs> By the way, you said you didn't want to be cocky before. You're from Nebraska. You can be cocky if you want to. <laughs> Just saying. I'm I'm from Texas. I have even more reason to be. <laughs> so, so a question for you, Adam. Just as far as a history of chasing, uh, kind of two questions is really what what got you first started in your interest in weather and going that route and then how long have you been chasing what what attracted you to that um yeah i think for like a lot of of weather people i i've been interested since a kid um the the my, my dad is or was before he retired a civil engineer and he did stormwater management and so he was uh, intimately involved in in a, a, a flood early warning system in, in Austin, where I'm from, uh, Austin, Texas. And so he would, he was, he, I mean, he was, he was a weather person, but not by training, but, you know, because the, the, of the demands of being a civil engineer dealing with stormwater, stormwater. And so this, he would occasionally go look at these gauges 
Um, he'd go take a look at um, whether the gauge he, the, the gauge was performing correctly. I mean, he was getting a, a, a real-time readout on this you know, archaic little computer. But, um, you know, he sometimes go out and make sure that it was it made sense. And he'd throw me in the car and we'd go out. And uh, to this day, I don't know if it was actually necessary to either, A, go out and take a look at it or put me in the car. But um, it, I loved it. It was just it was thrilling. So, I mean, I guess in some ways that was my first storm chase. Um but I also, I just, I, I liked, I like science. I mean, I, I guess I kind of liked astronomy and whatever. I mean, I loved ecology and, and, uh, but it, it, that passion for weather was stuck early on. And I just, and it just kept, kept going with it. And in terms of storm chasing, I remember vividly riding my bike up to the tallest hill that I could get up to in Austin, which was actually behind my house by uh, about a mile or so. It's called Mount, actually Mount Bunnell was one of them, but there was another one. Um, and I'd, I'd ride my bike up to the top of the hill, watch the storms come in and time it just right that I could sprint down the hill back to my house before getting pelted by the, the incoming storm. So the joke I have is my first storm chase was on a bicycle, um, which is, is not actually far from the truth. Ha- hashtag don't do this at home. Yeah, right, right. Well, also, isn't it different when the storm is chasing you? Well, I mean, frankly, there are a lot of times yeah. <laughs> when we're in the field that I feel that. Hey, so if you had an unlimited budget, what's the next thing you'd want to have? Oh, that's a good question. Um, and if you were a flower, what flower would you be? <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking here. Back to the first question. Um yeah, so this is it's it's a question that's come up actually fairly recently. Uh, not because we were given a ton of money. Um, oh, oh, were we to be that lucky? But um, it, specifically with regard to drones, because in some ways we're still limited. I mean, we we can fly the the aircraft, the drones um, into into parts of the storm that we couldn't in the past. We can now, but there's still things that I want to do. Um, that that for example. I want to be able to fly into clouds. I mean, we don't actually fly into clouds. We're not actually allowed to because we have to maintain visual on the aircraft at all times. Mm. Um, now, sometimes it happens and we just kind of like, oh, bring it out because, you know, I mean, that's the environment we're in. Sometimes the clouds get, you know, low, bases get low and we try to, and we bring it out. Um, but I'd like to be able to fly what we call beyond the visual line of sight. And so I, I think it's important to, to understand the way we operate we actually have to fly the aircraft above a ground-based vehicle at all times. So it's not like we just send the aircraft out and it just goes and does its thing and then comes back. We actually have to have a vehicle, and it's actually a collection of vehicles on the ground underneath the, the aircraft at all times. And so it's okay because it serves a purpose. I mean, essentially we have a ground observation, we have an above ground observation, and it's like this little tower that we fly into and out of the storm. And so, and also I'm in that ground-based vehicle. And so is my, my grad students who are in the other mission areas. Um, and so we can see the storm where we, we can actually see where we are. And we have that, that visual confirmation of our location relative to the storm. So I don't regret having to do that. That said, we have more flexibility if we can say, all right, we don't have roads where we need to go. Let's just send the aircraft out to where, where we think it needs to be. We can't do that now. It has to be, we have to maintain visual on this aircraft at all times. And the other thing like we can't do because of the way the, the regulations work is we can't fly multiple aircraft from a single ground station. So it's one aircraft, one ground station. Now we get have multiple ground stations, but that's a duplicate. I mean, we have to duplicate the whole system and it gets expensive. You have more people and more vehicles. So I'd like to be able to fly multiple aircraft from a single ground station. So instead of one aircraft, have 15 aircraft that are really spanning a space, a horizontal space, and then we can get the gradients that are hard to get now. And so the bottom line is more. I, I mean, I, I, want, mm-hmm. I want more drones. I want to be able to have larger, some larger drones that we can put radars on them and put bigger instrumentation like distrometers. And, and so I... Drones are not the answer to all life's problems. They're not the answer to all weather problems. Uh, so there are other ways to do this. But um, you know, I'm going to try to ride this horse as far as it'll go. So you're not supposed to fly in the clouds. How many times have you been like, "Oops, we did it again"? 
by uh, accident. We'll, we'll edit this portion. I'm not allowed to say. Actually, I, I don't. To be honest, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not actually. I'm not watching the aircraft at all times, and I don't ask the question how many times did we fly into a cloud because it's, it's not done deliberately. You know, I mean, it's right, uh, right. It, yeah. we'll, we, I mean, there are times we're coming up to a, uh, the base of the storm, and and either I'll say or someone will say, "Hey, that cloud base is really low. We should probably bring the aircraft down." But you know, you, it's hard to, to know how, how low the cloud base actually is, and so we, we get in the cloud and we just bring it out. You know. So the answer is seventy-two, uh, give or take. Plus or minus fifty. <laughs> I, no, I, I, I have no idea. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, that's the sound. It is time for our lightning round, uh, and so this is our game show of flashy and brilliant questions uh, that we always play with our guest and. Uh, Adam, we've been on a a little bit of a roll lately um, with what we've been playing, and tonight we're going to play, continue to play a game called uh, Weird Things Humans Search For. So Weird Things Humans Search For, this is actually a card game, uh, and I've gotten a little lazy because we've been doing this probably for the last three episodes now, (laughs) but it's good, it's it's an interesting game, but here's how we're going to play it. So I've got, I pulled three cards from the game. And what this is, these are actually the top like 10 things people Google search for. Okay, and so I'm gonna, I'm basically gonna explain, uh, or I'm gonna tell you uh, a topic that people are searching for, but I'm gonna leave a blank. And then you, you have to, your goal is to tell me one of the top 10 things that would fill that blank that people are searching for. What I'm going to do is help you out a little bit, and I'm going to go to our co-hosts and have them offer up a suggestion for you as well. And so once they're done, you can either take one of their suggestions or use your own. It doesn't matter. But your goal is just to come up with one of those uh, top 10 things that people search for. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. All right. Adam's Adam's a smart guy. He may want to go with his own on some of these. He might. Okay. So so, (laughs) so here is the first... Search, uh, first search. It is, uh, should I lie about blank? Should I lie about blank? And so, uh, the top 10, should I lie about whatever, uh, is I've got here on the card. And so, the goal is to come up with one of those. So, uh, MJ, I'm going to start with you. Should I lie about what's your suggestion? My affair. Your affair. That would be a yes, by the way. I, I would. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, so that's one. Uh, Maz, should I lie about what? What's your suggestion? How many times I've accidentally flown into a cloud with a drone? <laughs> <laughs> it's long, good. but I'm sure it's in there. If that's it's, the top 10, I'd be good. really impressed. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a niche question, but yeah, it could yeah, be in there. Okay. Uh, and, and I should preface this by saying we always invite our listeners to play along, too. So uh, be thinking about what might be in your top 10. Uh, but, Brady, I'll, I'll finish with you before we go to Adam. What what would you lo- my search for? Your what? Would I lie about my hemorrhoids? <laughs> hemorrhoids. Sorry, you had your mask on. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> from Sorry. Here. Okay, so so Adam, there you go. There There are three suggestions. You can take one of those or use your own that you think might be in the top 10. I, I, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's that's dangerous. I mean, um, you end up t- tipping your hand into some of the things that you've searched for. Um, I, I think MJ's suggestion is a good one. I think that's. Pro- I'll go with that one. Lie about your fare. So you're gonna say, should I lie about? Well, did you say a fare or ferret? A fare. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Same thing. A fare. Yeah. Thing. Right. That, that's oh, what I you're hope not. <laughs> that's what you, okay. <laughs> Uh, that was not in the top 10. Damn it. Because uh, the answer is no <laughs> or yes. yes <laughs> the answer is yes. Okay, so here was it. Here's in the top 10. Should I lie about my age? Yeah, okay. Being fired. Uh, experience on my resume. Should I lie about Santa? My current salary. My GPA. Uh-huh. Adam, there you go. That's, I got some students. Uh, should I lie about my height? The Tooth Fairy, My Virginity, which Ooh. is it's borderline there. And Should I Lie About Smoking? That was your top 10. My, my second one was the number of sexual partners, and that wasn't on there. Wow. That wasn't on there either. Yeah. No. That, do, you, do you have a number for us tonight? <laughs> no. <laughs> <I hate it. laughs> 
All just right, in case your wife's one. listening. <laughs> yeah, right. All hey. right, card card number two. Oh, Garrett had it, right? Yeah. My age. All right, he was in there. All right, so here's the next one. Has a monkey ever blank? Has a monkey ever blank? So apparently people are searching about what monkeys do. And, oh and as my guess is you, you've got some history on that. So what, what, what would be in your top 10? Has a monkey ever what? Are you asking somebody? A mass. Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't, <laughs> oh, I say sorry. <laughs> it's like mental telepathy. Uh, all right, so what is it again? Has what? Uh, has a monkey ever blank? Has a monkey flown out blank? of your butt? Flown out of your butt. <laughs> Do you right. really think people multiple are movies? That? That's in two yeah, movies. Could be. All right. It may or may not be on the list. Adam's I won't like, say. That's, so that's Brady, uh, Brady, going to you. Has a monkey ever what? Eaten a banana. That's got to be on there. I'm going to go with yes. Uh, yeah, I would say yes. I don't like my <laughs> affair like one. You lie about your affair. That's kind of pretty obvious. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's got to be on there. MJ, right. save him. MJ, give Adam something he can work with here. Uh, okay. Has a monkey ever flown? Flown. Has a monkey ever flown? I was close. Flying monkeys, you know. Oh, okay. yeah. Sort of. All right, Adam. So you, you can take one of those or, or take your own. What What do you think? Top ten searches as well, a monkey I guess ever they, what? I'm disappointed that Mazda didn't offer flown a drone into a cloud. In a cloud, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm not going to put that one out there. I, I'd say um, driven a car. Has a monkey ever driven a car? That's actually a good one. But that was not in the top ten. No. So so here's our top ten. Has a monkey ever asked a question? Uh, been to space, so that I would have flown. I, I would have said, uh, okay, asked a yeah. question, talk. That's kind of, but flown, I would have given flown. Maybe. I would have given that one. Uh, has a monkey ever taken the ACT test, Adam? <laughs> have you ever gotten any monkey scores? <laughs> I can assure you that I thought admission. that. I thought that at times. <laughs> has a monkey ever killed a human? Oh, God. Spoken. Wow. Garrett, there you go. Has a monkey ever spoken? Uh, touched a whale. Has a monkey ever touched what? a whale? That's a top 10 search? That's That's... Yeah, really, dude, it's on the car. Has a monkey ever Weird. shot someone? <laughs> smoked weed. I didn't think of that. <laughs> been cloned or mated with a human? <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> Man, do they have the times of the night when these are written, or what? Yeah, you, well, a part part of it might be you have to put yourself in different people's shoes sometimes when thinking about what God, people that have shoes. access I don't to the internet. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. Who's thinking of that? Hey, I wonder. <laughs> All right, we're we're gonna finish this uh, finish this out. Uh, final card, search. Can testicles blank? Can testicles blank? Uh, and this, I'd have to imagine every man and possibly even some women are searching this one. Uh, Brady, what what would you what would you like to think might be searched? Can testicles blank? Uh, something I've long thought about. Can testicles explode? Explode. Whoa. That would hurt. Ouch. I don't want to think about it. You've thought about that? That's about painful that. to think about. <laughs> it's nightmares, man. Know, I've had just... nightmares. I've woken up like, oh, my God. Okay. Just... Okay, hey, though. Look at this. Explode. Yeah. Sakura. Oh. Wow. Two of them. Christine. Okay. All right. Uh, so that's a popular one, maybe. Uh, MJ, can testicles fall off? Fall off. Okay. Good, good. There's a couple good ones here. Maz, what do you think? Actually turned blue. Turned blue. Can testicles oh, turn blue? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. actually a pretty good one, too. I Thank agree you. with all those. All right, Adam, take one of those <laughs> or take your agree. own. You agree. <laughs> Go with fly the drone. Fly the drone. Better shot. <laughs> Try to get FAA approval on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Just a couple of guys up there flying. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with explode. I mean, it seems like that's a popular answer. I feel. Ooh, feel like contest. That's, God, that's. Oh. Why would. That's scary to even think about that. So, contesticles explode. What? That, uh, that was on the list. So, uh, what was the answer? Uh, so, so wow. here's your top 10. So, number one was contesticles pop and, and explode. I, I, I count that yeah. same thing. Either it's way, similar. I don't want either one of those things happening. Um, can testicles no. be re reattached? Mm. So fall off was Does one. That they fell off, <laughs> right? It's assuming oh, they. Uh, can testicles story. grow back? So maybe you're a lizard wow. and they, like, you can grow a limb. Uh, you can grow your testicles back. You got to 
You got to ask that question if you didn't lie about your affair. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can testicles grow larger? Can they retract? Can they rotate? I don't know what that Ooh, is. Rotate. Wow. Can they cramp? Now that would be painful. Oh. <laughs> oh, can they break, twist, or unravel? Those are your, no blue, those are your huh? top wow. ten. No yeah, blue is not on there. Surprising. I, I did think that was shocking. good. But, I think so, after uh, a few of those, they likely so, will be blue. <laughs> anyway, Adam, you finished strong. So great job on that. Good job. Uh, thanks for playing along. Tell us uh, how can listeners find you, follow you on social media, all that good stuff. Yeah, um, if you want to follow Taurus, we have a social media presence. Uh, Twitter would be T-O-R-U-S-U-P-E-R-C-E-L-L, Taurus Supercell. Um, Facebook, we have a, a, a there as well. Um, you can follow my research group at UNL underscore SSRG, Severe Storms Research Group. Cool. Show the shirt. Show the shirt, man. We can only see the top part of your shirt. Uh, the Lincoln Mile. Yeah, there you go. What is that for, for those of us that are clueless? It's it's just a mile run. Um, my, my son wanted to do it, and... I am not a runner, but I figured I could do a mile. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> mission accomplished. Actually, good, good place to start. It's a mile high club on a drone going into it. Yeah. <laughs> in the right. <laughs> on, on that note, we're going to go ahead and take our final break. Uh, we're going to be right back with Brady's new weather segment, and I'm pulling Weather Trollbot 5000 out of the garage. So we'll be right no. Hey everyone, it's Mark Remillard. And it's Bobby Nichols with Outbreak, the storm chasing multiplayer game. And you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Let's take a drive under the moon. Let's take a drive under the somber sky. Let's take a drive under the moon. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back. Uh, it's time for. Let's go- we don't really have a name for this segment yet. It's called Brady's segment. It's kind of like a, you know, uh, what happens next sort of deal. We're still kind of figuring out the details on one, but basically the idea of the segment is I'm going to show a video, or in this case, I'm going to show four videos. They're going to be weather related and I'm going to leave it up. I'm going to play, you know, the first five seconds of the video. And then the co-hosts are going to tell me, I'm going to pause the video and then they're going to say, they're going to guess what happens next. And then I'm going to play the video and we're going to see what happens next. So, so, so Brady, do this. I'll, I'll let you know in advance. So be, for our listeners, uh, before yep. you go to us and ask us what happens next, make sure you've kind of explained what the heck's going on for people. Because it's can't. the podcast. Yes. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. This, but you know what? I'm this, is great. this is a great radio segment. <laughs> people should be watching the Raw. Okay. So, so first up here, we have a, uh, a meteorologist for Global BC uh I think that's a TV station. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not completely sure. She's doing the she's doing Fake the weather, news. and then I'm gonna pause it right there. What do you guys think is gonna happen next? Um. So so she's probably it looks like green screen. She's got rainfall she's got green warning. Screen. So this must be rainfall. something in in Europe, British Columbia, probably. Um. Yep. Boy, okay. I don't know. Okay. I say a clown shows up on the green screen that's my oh okay all right let's let's see what happens next i was thinking oh, spider spider yeah. bug oh, yeah. yeah yeah i'm gonna go with the bug yeah. too spider attacks her. So she goes to the camera and a giant spider on the camera oh and she's <laughs> freaking out and she's losing her cool she goes off oh. the camera oh. yep so 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 now now we're on our next uh, next little segment here. We have a weather reporter on the beach talking about the 4th of July celebration. Okay. She is interviewing. It's basically an Iron Man challenge where they're drinking beer as well. So, oh, oh good. Good sure that's involved. So what happens next? What happens uh, next? Someone kisses her. I've seen this one, so I'm not going to cheat. Oh. So there's this big bald guy <laughs> yeah. with like a Fu Manchu stash standing right next to her without his shirt. What, what's it say? What's he got written on his chest and arm? Tucker? I don't know. It, Fletcher, it does, it's like, I don't so know. does he doesn't touch her inappropriately, does he? <laughs> uh, let's see. Wow. Oh, 
Okay, he's she's talking to him. So she's got. Oh, oh, oh no! She's got the microphone. Yeah. Did someone oh. throw up on him? Some throws beard? up on him. Someone puked. Yes, right, right on oh, him. Oh, oh, yeah. On her. That's terrible. And they just cut. Literally, the camera stops, and it, it pans back to the on-air meteorologist, and oh. they, they cannot believe it. Oh my God! Holy cow! That's good times yeah. right there. So that was bad. All right. So this next clip, uh, this is a meteorologist, Fox 13, Paul Delgado. Uh, this was actually recently uh, during the quarantine when they were doing all the forecasts from home. Oh man! Yeah. His dog is jumping in the picture, and he he tries to move his dog out of the way. Love dogs. Now what happens next? Oh, it jumps up on him. I'm sure. Licks so him. Dog something. throws up on him. <laughs> After that last one. <laughs> dog, drinks beer. dog throws up. That's, that's pretty close. That's pretty close. The dog, the uh -oh. dog actually jumps up on the window because the camera guy is outside filming <laughs> in. The dog jumps on the window in, and looks out at the camera guy and gets completely The camera guy's outside the window filming that's funny. this. Oh my goodness. Social distance. For a minute the dog was operating the camera, but you know, that would be amazing. But yeah, I thought he knocked the camera down. Amazing. Okay. Be amazing. All right. Cool. So this is the last okay. video. Uh, this you guys probably I mean you guys probably have seen this video, but yeah, this uh, one is basically incredible. You have someone driving through a storm. You have a pause right there. You have the wind kind of picking up. What happens next? Gotta be a lightning strike. Nope. Car flips over. No, it lightning. looks like a tornado. Oh yeah, it, it does. Like it's a tornado right there. Um yep. I think I think you're on to something, Mass. So we have basically goes through a red light in front of this guy. Kind of cuts it off. Oh my! Whoa! That car's and tipping a, over. A tornado goes right through the intersection and picks up a car and takes the car to who knows where. Okay, where did the driver person. out of it? Yeah, where did the person yeah, come from? You can from? actually see. Yeah, the drive. The driver is to the right, just absolutely shocked. Oh I have my no gosh. idea where his car is. Yeah. Oh you know, if we, if we were playing the twister drinking game, that'd be worth a drink right there. With it the would be car wow. flying. Yeah. In the tornado, I, I mean, remember seeing that. In, That's wow, it's crazy. Shock. He got pulled shock. out of his car. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. Crazy. All right, well, guys, that was uh, what happens next. We're gonna have all of these uh, links to all of these YouTube videos um, on our episode 108 show notes. Check it out, and uh, let me know if you like the segment. I'm tuning in just to see that last one again because that's cool. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That was good. That was a good, good seg Brady segment. That's uh, well, and to, and to hear Adam, I'll listen to the show because Adam's on too. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, Matt. That's good. All right. So, uh, so during our last break, I went out to the garage. I, I pulled out uh, good old weather trollbot five thousand. And if you've never listened oh, to the man. show before, uh, oh, we went to a garage sale. I don't know a year or so ago. Uh, we had enough money in our Stormfront Freaks coffers to purchase. Uh, Weather Trollbot 5000. Now, she went by a different name at the time. It might have been Speak and Spell. I can't tell you for sure what, what the name was. But it was a robot, and we've kind of repurposed her to help interpret the thoughts of our weather friends when they're getting trolled on social media. And so a lot of times, and if you're on social media, Twitter, Facebook, stuff like that, you've probably seen some of your favorite weather meteorologists on TV and storm chasers, whatever, that get trolled right someone's got to say something nasty to them and and the interesting thing is all of our weather friends they're always very professional right so they respond on social media really nice and you know there, there might be some some underlying connotations there with some of the things they say but for the most part it's very professional and very nice but we all know that's not what they were thinking when they responded that way so what we do is we take that information and we input it into Weather Trollbot 5000, and then she spits out what our weather friend was really thinking when they were typing up their response. So this, uh, if you're listening to us and watching us raw uh, on our recording, this is, this is a strong PG-13 segment. Um, At least. But, but we, do, uh, we do edit out uh, some of the words... Uh, we beep them out for, for the audio podcast. So just FYI, if you're listening to the audio podcast, you're pretty safe. If you if you want to really hear what's being uh, interpreted, then you should check out our uh, YouTube videos for that. So here, here we go. The first one that we're going to look at tonight uh, is Danny Beckstrom. So she's a meteorologist at KTNV-TV in Las Vegas. 
And this came from uh, Facebook, and, and she withheld the name, which is nice. Now, we're not afraid to throw people under the bus if, if the names are included, but in this, case, in this case, we can't. So this person said, so ABC Las Vegas now hires cocktail waitresses to do the weather. Shame. Ouch. Man. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, was, that wasn't real nice. So Danny responded, very professional said, thank you for thinking I could possibly be that coordinated. <laughs> right? So she, she was really nice. But so now what we're going to do, we're going to take that information. We're going to plug it into Weather Trollbot. Uh, we got to kind of type that in. This is old school. It comes out a lot of times in like a tape, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but then we are going to interpret. Uh, basically, what kicks out from Weather Trollbot is, is what go. she was really saying. So uh, we got to... Put the tape into this mechanism, and then here's what she said. Here is what Danny was really thinking. I don't understand your connection. What part of me or what I do makes you think of a cocktail waitress? That's so f***ing 1980. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so Danny's like, uh, she doesn't get it, right? And I don't get it either. I'm a cocktail waitress. but uh, All right, so, so uh, that's what she was thinking. All right, the next one, actually the next two. And, and it shouldn't come as a surprise to any of our uh, fellow followers and listeners uh, with Weather Trollbot that the one person that gives us the most material is who? Ginger Z. Ginger oh, Z. Ginger, so yeah. the next two yeah, come yeah. from Ginger Z, uh, past guest on the show a couple times. Uh, she's the chief meteorologist at ABC News. So the first one uh, was also from Facebook. Sharon Eilina responded on Facebook. Uh, you're way too comfortable working from home when you can't put a bra on. Man. So Ouch. apparently it was in reference to uh, people were thinking she wasn't wearing a bra and her nipples were showing is basically what it comes down to. And Ginger, professional as always, she responded, those are darts on my romper, not my nipples. Thanks for the concern, everyone. I also only address this because this is one of a dozen messages I've already received. So apparently everybody was telling her that her nipples apparently were showing. Uh, but as why, I always, why would you even like, well, I, I, don't, I don't know. Isn't people. That the stupidest thing in the world? <laughs> and I, you know, I feel so bad for Ginger. I think she yeah. gets, she gets it worse than anybody. Yeah. Because she's, you know, she's on a national new stage stage yeah, on the national stuff, stage but, but anyway but regardless we got to plug that in uh we're gonna find out run at them all right here we go so let's let's we, so we got to find out late. what ginger what ginger was really thinking when she responded here is what ginger was really thinking come on people it's my romper not my nipples can you stop the f***ing onslaught of messages please I responded a couple hours ago with the answer, and you faces keep sending me the nipple notes. The nipple notes. So, the nipple uh, notes. Keep good old nipple notes that Man. plague everybody. You like the show notes? Uh, I, <laughs> 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 wow. That's all. The next episode, we're just gonna have to call them the nipple notes. So, all right. So that was that one, and so here's her second one. Uh, so this was from Twitter, and Carly Cruz. Uh, is the person that said um, and showed some pictures of Ginger uh, must have they must have gone to her or something and maybe looked like she was touching her hair up or something when they went to her and this was during COVID so she's in her home doing the broadcast but uh, Carly said vanity 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 and lady as Gomer Pyle used to always say surprise 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 Sam Champion never had to fix his do on hair I don't know who Sam Champion is. He used to be okay. the main morning guy. English? Good morning, GMA. Yeah, okay. <laughs> blonde, so blonde here's, hair. Here's how. Here's how Ginger. Um, here's how Ginger responded, which, which again was really nice and professional, and um, I guess not surprising. She said, "Oh, Carly, I was talking to at wx underscore max um, about the Memorial Day forecast graphic." Not hair. Also, I don't remember Sam having shoulder-length hair that's all over the place <laughs> and alone in his basement only with himself to check. 
May your hair be perfect and your holiday safe. Winking kiss emoji. Wow. Wow. That was nice. <laughs> you gotta, she, is, she is nice. You got to wonder which version is like, this is version 12. <laughs> the first one, the first one included <laughs> yeah. all the F-bombs. Yeah, exactly. And then, <laughs> delete, yeah. delete, 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 delete. Right, right, yeah. Publicist finally said, yes, yeah, send that one. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right. So let's find out what she was really thinking. Oh. Or as Adam said, might have been her first draft. All right, everything's computed. Let's find out. Here is what Ginger was really thinking this time. Sam Champion has short hair and wasn't quarantined in his damn basement for months having to do all this himself. Surprise me by showing me your home without mirrors. F you. F you. And f you. Winking kiss emoji. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's the one the publicist said. Yeah, maybe don't, don't, don't use that. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the winking kiss emoji. Though. Wow. <laughs> that's, oh man, that's a good way to end it. So, all right. So that's weather Brutal. trollbot five thousand. We never know what she's gonna kick out, but uh, we also don't know exactly what our weather friends are thinking. But uh, so that was good. So we, uh, it's time. Let's let's check out. See if we got anything in the mailbox. MJ, send me a postcard. Drop me a line. You've got mail, baby, yeah. Yes, we do. Uh, at Saint Motivation checked in with us on Twitter and said they are a fun podcast, even beyond their Twister commentary. Oops. I listened to a bunch of them on my last road trip, and they have everything from storm science to on-camera meteorologist interviews. So cool. So, thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you. We're, we're more than just a Twister commentary show. Yes. We are. Isn't we it are. amazing yeah. as that might be? Um, and that was, you know, that that uh, I don't see any more in the fan and the mailbox. So, um, so thank you for that wonderful review, Saint Motivation. Send us your uh, comments on Twitter at Stormfront Freak or on Facebook at Stormfront Freaks, uh, or you can do it the old-fashioned way at StormfrontFreaks.com. MJ, I've, I've had a lot of fan mail, so we don't have to. Read okay, that. we'll, that's yeah, good. We'll talk to them later. Uh, I will say this. So we, we did get, I don't know if I mentioned this on a previous show, but we got an email from uh, a friend of ours, Jay Farlow, uh, uh, that asked some pretty in-depth questions that, that we probably wouldn't normally cover on our freak fan box that we'll save for a show. But I just want Jay to know we got that and uh, some good questions. We'll cover that in Brady's next segment, probably. We'll, we'll create another one. Brady's segment number two. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll cover your discussion questions. But, hey, I think that just about does it uh, for this episode of Stormfront Freaks Podcast. I want to thank you for listening or watching. Uh, before I announce who our next guest is going to be, uh, we always uh, want to let you know we appreciate your reviews that you might share with us. Uh, there's a couple ways you can let us know what you think. Um, <laughs> either way, right, uh, is, is number one, usually the podcast app that you're listening to us on. A lot of times might have an option to uh, leave a review. Certainly the written ones are great because we can uh, announce that on, on our next show. Um, but, but let us know what you think. Or you can send us to uh, email, uh, questions at stormfrontfreaks.com. So questions at stormfrontfreaks.com. If you want to leave a review or a question uh, that we might be able to answer on the next show, we'll do that as well. And don't forget to subscribe. If you like the show, uh, subscribe. And, and again, the podcast app you're listening to should have some kind of subscribe button or follow button that you can click on. And it just guarantees that the next time we upload a show, uh, you'll get that in your inbox right away. You'll be the first to get it. Uh, we're a bi-weekly show, so look for us every two weeks. Uh, or just send us money, right? Just send us money. Yeah, we'll take that, that too. as too. You know, stormfrontfreaks.com does have a donate button on it. Um, really? And it's I'm safe to say no one's used it yet. <laughs> uh, so that that is on there. Um, you be the first. Yeah, be the first. <laughs> yeah. We'll definitely we'll share your name on the show. That's for sure. Uh, special thanks to our guest tonight, uh, Adam Houston. Thanks, Adam, for coming. Yeah, on. Adam. You're you're doing some really great uh, great interesting things. So and and once all the the data's in and. You've got everything uh, figured out. We'll probably have you back on and find out what uh, what news you have for us. So, Go Huskers. Our next episode, we're going to be recording live on YouTube and Facebook Live on Thursday, July 9th. 
uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock Central. We're going to have broadcast meteorologist and hurricane preparedness expert Cheryl Nelson is going to be with us. So uh, as we've jumped into to tropical storm season, uh, we're going to have a chance to talk to Cheryl about uh, preparedness and uh, things like that. So Very cool. for, for MJ, Maz, Greg, uh, Greg's not with us. He didn't make it tonight. But Brady and uh, Adam stuck around. He's maybe wondering why but uh, he <laughs> stuck it out uh, i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna signal the all clear and we're gonna catch you guys next time so good night everybody bye thank you for listening to the stormfront freaks podcast find our bi-weekly show on apple podcasts google play spotify iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app and watch our live and recorded shows on youtube For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you are there, check out our live interactive storm chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.